housing that's bad? Somebody wrote the word bubblehead on our parking lot wall last night. We've got to do something, Marge. 48 minutes of dog barking. 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 Growl. Growl. 48 minutes of dog barking. 48 minutes of dog barking. Walter, this is what you're gonna do, Walter. You're gonna go home. You're gonna jerk off. No gooning. I mean it, Walter. No gooning. Walter. Walter. Your goon cave is not going to be a place anymore. We're going to tear it down, Walter. A wise man wouldn't sit on his hand and act like it's another person, Walter. If you do that, I'm not going to be very happy with you, Walter. Walter, Riley Reed does not know who you are, Walter. Walter, <laughs> you know when you reply to a tweet, it's not a DM, right, Walter? Everyone can see your dick and balls, Walter, and they're not happy. That Gus is the- isn't happy. I'm not happy. The cartel's not happy. You need to fix your shit, and you need to fix your shit right now, Walter. <laughs> That's our new character, by the way. That's no fap, <laughs> Mike dry, dry boy, Mike Herntrout. Uh, welcome to the program. I haven't nutted since the Cubs won the World Series, Walter. And look at me, I'm a pitcher of health. Okay, he's a Phillies fan, number one. But also, welcome to the show. It's 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking. My name is Jason. That other voice you heard there was Brian. And the third person in the room today, a very special guest, Danny. Welcome to the show, Danny. Hey, uh, I really hope Walter's okay. You guys have just pinned my ears back with uh, <laughs> the level of advice that is happening to this poor guy. With our with our ribald uh, tales, yeah, poor Walter. Poor Walter. You think you think you'd have empathy for Walter, <laughs> but that guy, the cab of that Pontiac Aztec. Smells like an old sock. Oh, it ain't pretty, Danny. It ain't pretty. This, this is just life, Dom, but but without the sweetness of, of regular Doming. Or, or, or the Walter, you're my baby. <laughs> Mike Ermintrout, the compassionate Dom. That's I just, you're my little pay pig, Walter. Like listen, the- Mike, my daughter. Needs to go to the nicest private school in Albuquerque. You, you degrade, but then you got to lift up. Yeah, and there's Walter a... Walter is waiting for that. Yeah. That moment. Have you seen Breaking Bad, Danny? Uh, yes, I've seen oh, okay, all, I've seen all like of Breaking I... Bad. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I say, without, without the understanding of what Breaking Bad is and like who Mike Irvin Trout is, that bit would just be baffling to me. <laughs> it's just, I mean, there's there are really few characters that just try to berate this guy into thinking like an adult and yeah. being a huge ass. Here's what you're gonna do. Yeah, you, once you start, you can't. It's, yeah. You really can't stop. It's, it's like I can sometimes like kind of do like a Christopher Walken for a few seconds. Like, <laughs> let me let me tell you something, Danny. This nickel I've been putting in my ass for the last five years, and you know what? I've never gotten an overdraft fee at the bank. I can see, Danny. <laughs> I got a message for you. <laughs> Danny, I just I like the idea. What if I, I told you a place <laughs> where you could get a free meal? Danny. Yeah, welcome to the show. You're in my house now. You could riff to death in this show. Oh, I know. Well, I just 
I imagine uh, Christopher Walken, you know, in the Vietnam War, uh, you know, military uniform, t- telling this kid that he's he's got this nickel that he's he's kept from his father. What? Not a watch. Not anything. No. Uh, nice. It's just, just a, a nickel. regular nickel. It's and a- and he has a terrible story about it. <laughs> I've been putting this nickel in my ass for right. five years. I, I thought I was the one that grew up by Colvar Creek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were you know there were a couple of creeks up in the, up in, in the cr- crick. That's right. I'm cr- sorry. Proper crick. Excuse proper me. Proper Missourian. Oh boy. What temperature do you want your radioactive creek water? Like, should it be cold or do you want it like room temperature? I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, it tends to run hot. I think technically. Generally, yeah. Generally speaking, <laughs> it's kind it of a be warm. You definitely want to taste a little bit of it before you you know. Get in there. Uh, you want to just dip your dip your big toe in because that's how we do it down at the crick. Um, <laughs> the crick. <laughs> Where we used to throw uh, to throw car batteries down at the crick. <laughs> car batteries. It's good and healthy for the, the ocean. Car batteries are making it better. I'd be like the yeah. army of engineers, like You're in order to charging the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> is that how that works? Oh, no, it's just like the radioactivity is bad. <laughs> God, I love that. <laughs> So once again, welcome to the program, Danny. Uh, we're so glad to have you here. It's been a weird week on the internet. You've heard the show, so you know that we open with kind of a news of the week type of deal. This is this really wraps it up. It's a tweet from uh, our good friend at Bimbo Marxist. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, yes. sage oh, finally, the, I've been waiting. Sage of the internet, the, the wise sage the at of Bimbo wisdom. Marxist. But the tweet is uh, with the Charlie Kelly, uh, Pepe Silvia uh, meme there. Me explaining to my boyfriend at work that Twitter discourse has moved from sex is a right to Instacart ableism and that Jorts the cat is now canceled because he told an able-bodied person to go get their groceries themselves because they made a tweet about men being incompetent shoppers. <laughs> wow. What a week, folks. Yes, Jorts uh, did an ableism, did a no growth. Did a no growth. <laughs> uh, uh... I'm calling for the guillotine for yep. for jorts. I take no pleasure I'm in this. Jeans, <laughs> I'm a jeans supremacist. <laughs> I, I hate to be the one to try to drag another yarn in here, but I, I jorts the cat sounds familiar. Yes, but, but remind me who who is this? So jorts the cat is a very popular leftist cat on Twitter. It's a he's a Garfield looking motherfucker. He's a uh, orange cat. <laughs> oh, did this was this the cat that was buttered? Uh, yes, yes, you yeah. buttered, you buttered George. Because George apparently was not very good at self grooming, so a coworker thought that of of whoever of a coworker, a person that worked at the employer, factory, wherever they were, yeah, wherever they were, the person, <laughs> the person that worked at the building that George the cat existed within, thought that George needed initiative to self-groom so they put butter on George thinking they would want to lick the butter off which is kind of like one of those things that like your worst co-worker does <laughs> it is a that is a high functioning worst co-worker kind of behavior I can that's imagine next, that's next to like warming up popcorn in the in the microwave because popcorn my opinion if you might if you if you microwave it and then in the break room microwave and people don't see the popcorn you just think what smells like hot piss <laughs> popcorn I, really hot has this opinion i mean sometimes i smell i know what popcorn because i because like, i had a job interview today at a place where 
Someone had just put popcorn in the micro in the break room microwave. So I'm sitting in this boardroom all by myself, just going, it "Smells like piss in here." But you can't say it because you're in a you know job. Yeah, interview, yeah. Man, you guys, you guys just really love that whiff. You just love <laughs> you love making are... everyone else smell your pissy ass popcorn. <laughs> Don't butter a cat. Don't yep. be a shitty coworker. Nope. And so the cat is a political commentator. Apparently now, and yeah. So George... I'm just going to ignore any question about whether Chomsky, the cat itself. They saw is... weakness in Chomsky. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. The cat is completely <laughs> sentient and conscious and speaks. Oh, of course, the human posts for the cat. That is a standard trope in, in, in spaces that are on Twitter, especially is that, you know, the, the cat obviously can't post. So this is a, yeah, the, the owner. Uh, you're assuming a lot of things about cats there, but fine. Uh, I've tried to train my cat to use Twitter, and it's just not gone very well. I think they mostly followed Riley Reed and uh, <laughs> accidentally DM'd her, and just yeah, Bottle it was really picks, yeah. Bull, I'm sorry, <laughs> Boba, Bogine. Uh, <laughs> but another thing that caught my eye on Twitter this week was a gentleman who went by the name at Wokal Distance. You'll forgive me for not understanding what that even means. I think that's um, supposed to be like focal distance. Yeah, it's it's focal distance, but for woke people. This whole thing has been posting this art from this guy, uh, Ratchet Lotf, which I still don't know how to pronounce that name. But the long and short of it is it's this art that depicts a sanitized, corporatized 90s nostalgia. It's, you know, it's two kids in, the, in, a, in a room playing Metal Gear Solid on the GameCube there. And they got a PlayStation in the background. They got the game. It's, it's literally like every IP property bait you could imagine. If you zoom in on this thing, it's every movie poster that was a huge, huge hit. So he posted this with the text, This is a world worth fighting for. And the ache of the nostalgia we feel for this time is the call home. So I never thought there would be like, Return to tradition, guys, but for Tamagotchis. <laughs> Tamagotchi sucked. Right. I did, like, I did like a shit ton of yard work for my Aunt Kelly when I was uh, like 10 for Tamagotchi, and uh, I still feel like I got gypped. This is this is such an incredible image. I mean, the I feel this is like the, the illustrator of the Saturday Morning Post who had the iconic right. images of, of Americana. <clears throat> But, like, we're in the corner of the room, and it's like we're with our friend. Like, you're in this room with your friends with some Pokemon cards in front of you. Uh, like, this is all, this is my era as well. It's very strange to see this kind of nostalgia. Uh, when, when this. <laughs> what, what kind of kills me is that the TV, the CRT they're using, is like one of those high end, oh, like, yeah. sharps that all of, like, the fucking game preservationist guys do their captures on. Yeah. So I'm like, so what the fuck are these kids? So. What is this, or what, like, was their dad, like, an AV guy for the local, like, TV station? Like, who had that, who just, who kids in their, in their wood-paneled basement had the high-end, sharp, 24-inch TV? And the, the, the entire entertainment system filled with various game systems. I mean, I'm seeing PlayStation game, uh, sorry, PlayStation N64, Game Boy, you know, you got the, the, the dual VCR up top, so where you want to do your high-speed dubs, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, just like no one lived like this. Yeah, no one I knew. Itself. I mean, uh, <laughs> I knew a couple rich kids that kind of did, but not like to this extent. No one that I knew. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I, I did have one friend growing up whose dad was an AV nerd, so I, some of this is a little familiar, but like it wasn't to this extent. And uh, like, yeah, I mean, I'm 36. This was I loved Metal Gear Solid. I loved fucking video games and all of that shit. I don't know if I really want to return to that. I no. don't know if I want to return to like 
living in Spanish Lake. I don't no. know if I want to return to a lot. I mean, what is this a nostalgia to a world that had a much simpler narrative before one that had 9-11 in it, before one that had uh, corporatized internet. It's what, The world's a little bit dumber, a little bit blunter. But I think the real thing that they're saying that they want to return to is a time when mommy made them spaghetti and they didn't have a job. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, because the, I'm sorry. That's what it is. That's what it is. Uh, you do, it's not that being a kid was so great. It's that that being an adult sucks. It is true, and I think because like the viewer of this photo, like you are a kid. Like you oh, were yeah. there. You're like, in the corner of the room with these other kids, and you're watching them play Metal Gear. Dad passed out on the couch. Fair. Okay. Yeah. This is a much different. <laughs> I, I missed the See, '90s when I, <laughs> I missed the part. It was the part where Dad came home and crushed a six pack of Milwaukee's best while you played Mario Kart. Right. <laughs> like, like the, it's like pres- like a very sober dad who's looking back on his time in the '90s. Oh, oh like, I hate it, but I, I got cleaned up and I hate I it now. Up. I, I I can't believe I let that little shit beat me at Twisted Metal all those times. He's you know what? If I hadn't been on the sauce, he would have known who ran the house. Oh my gosh. Uh, the, the things that we will miss uh, for uh, the worst reasons. I think, I think the one thing that, that really got me also this week on, on Twitter, I'm gonna I'm gonna skip a couple things because some of them are just like fucking stupid and everyone's talking about them. Like, I don't really have an opinion on Kanye West uh, being anti-Semitic because I stopped giving a shit about him right after Yeezus came out, so... Uh, not that Jesus was a bad album. It's just that uh, after that, I think is when he really went clinically he, he really, insane. He really, he really uh, telegraphed it when he said, "Have you ever had sex with a pharaoh?" He's gonna I put, put the pussy in sarcophagus. Yeah. He let us know he was a hotep. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're right. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, the black Israelite thing. Yeah, the black Israelite. Kanye West yelling out, yelling at people outside the Tivoli. <laughs> <laughs> oh Those guys. They were. They made walk. They made walking uh, walking to work a tough a tough time a number of times for me. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about Kanye. Uh, that's that's not my business. Anyway, he's he's having a you know his wife left him. He's having problems. My wife left Kanye. <laughs> Kanye West putting out a shirt with Kansas Owens. <laughs> It says my wife left me. <laughs> the whole thing where he said that like there's like fake children in his house, where it's just like Kanye, you were supposed yeah. to move to Wyoming to dry out, not get weirder. Right? Okay, I said I wasn't going to talk about this. I said I wasn't going to talk about this, and you lured me in. How do you keep doing this? All right, uh, I said uh, no, Kanye. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Although DeathCon Three is fucking objectively hilarious because he means DeathCon Three. Oh yeah, the idea like there's got there's got to be a real death con like for mortuary uh, folks yeah, or like yeah. a funerary service. I lived at a place in in southern Illinois when I was in college there, and I lived in an apartment. It was basement apartment, and outside, right next door, was funeral home. So they had the whole house, which was converted into a funeral home, wired for sounds. So then you would hear the phone ringing, like a building away. Because these guys needed to be ready to go when the phone call came that the body was ready. So I would refer to it as the death phone. Because when you heard that phone ring, you knew somebody had just died. And here you know, here comes the guy coming to pick up with the hearse. Oh, that's super metal. So Dr. Oz, another person I really don't want to talk about, but I have to address this. Somebody unearthed footage that he drinks or did drink his own urine. And oh, I just got to... No. Uh, I saw this. Oh, he had he had some interesting. You know, he's really high class because he was like talking about like a like a like a fifty dollars sauvignon. Oh, it has a bit of a nutty texture. To it. <laughs> but it's uh, but it's, it's, really, it's, it's really piss forward. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it always this? It always comes to either piss drinking or skull measuring. Like yep, why is that? It? It's only two <laughs> things. That's it. 
We like we, it's it's like uh, That's revert to crab. Like we go back to what we know. We drink the piss. We measure the skulls, and we try to divine what, what we, reality we discover is. which people don't need to breed. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I was just in the editing bay doing edits for our, our most recent uh, episode that just released, which was the one uh, about game facts, and I had to include that. So in the uh, in the opening of the game facts episode is just the clip. Of Dr. Oz talking about drinking his own <laughs> urine, but I had to address it here because, like, man, I, I dropped that clip, but I didn't really talk about it. Like the same, the same thing we did with the no loads refused thing. We didn't really go in too d- too deep on that. The whole Dr. Oz and Fetterman thing is really bizarre to me because you'd think in any fair contest, any regular ass fucking wackadoo weirdo like Dr. Oz should be able to take down a guy with a rockabilly wife. Hey, you know what? I think the rockabilly wife gives him strength or something. I don't know because he's he's like in she was in poor health dancing the- his. She's like, oh god, she's like uh, the fucking witch lady dancing in the the fucking Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> she's enchantress. She's is what enchant- you're saying. Okay, enchantress. <laughs> It's the only time I'll ever think about the Suicide Squad movie again. So, uh, Brian, Danny, this is about time of the program where we do what we like to call the crypto scam of the week. Yes, our is, favorite part. Is it the what's the scam where my account keeps going down and I seem to have made increasingly worse uh, decisions that's, to uh, invest that's in crypto? Something a forex a, account. <laughs> that's my called small, investing in crypto. All right, my well, <laughs> I, I I should reassure I, I have a relatively small amount, uh, but it is still it is still noticeable that it's. I, it's, I have eleven dollars in Dogecoin left because I cannot remember how to. Uh, sign into SoFi, so that's about all I got going on. I get those emails and I go, okay, great. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, uh, that's, that's I think wonderful. about I think about all my friends that farmed Doge like ten years ago as a joke, and like I bet they really wish they didn't throw away those hard drives. Yeah. It's like it's like I, like I know a couple people that just like had like an old computer and like this part of their room just running that shit for probably a year. Oh yeah, and I bet they're I just never asked, never said anything, never talked about crypto around them because I'm sure they're just like. Yeah, that was like fifty grand. Yeah, I mean, I bought a, a, a GPU off a guy who was like, "I'm I'm not mining Ethereum anymore." I was like, "Cool, sixteen sixty super, huh?" Well, about hundred bucks. How's that sound? Because <laughs> yeah. I knew, what, you know, I knew what he would take because he was, he's desperate. Yep. I mean, it's like it's like a junkie. It's, like, how much you want for those shoes? Mm, how about half that? Yep. <laughs> not so, going to get any better down the street. <clears throat> this is going to get colder. So how is it getting better? <laughs> how is it getting better? Uh, it's it's not. So uh, <laughs> crypto scam of the week this week, of course, is our good friends over at Mango. Uh, Brian, yeah. you were the one who pointed this out to me. Our good friend Surtech. Is, uh, oh, I thought, was, I, I, thought was, I thought it was I thought it was K, but it's Surtech. Okay. I just I just know it's Surtech. Maybe I'm just being a weirdo. Okay. But they are considered to be the top contract verifier in the space, generally speaking. So what is it that Surtech does? So what Surtech usually is, if you have a crypto project and you're trying to prove your legitimacy in one way or another, you would pay them to check your contract and they kind of openly report all of your vulnerabilities, things that you have that could be like hacked with like a civil attack or anything like that, anything that could be brute force. So it's really if you are doing a crypto project and you are trying to have people say invest tens of thousands of dollars in your fucking fake internet money at least letting them know that like no there's no major exploits or flaws in the contract there's nothing weird with a liquidity 
part of it or anything that's like an automated like uh, sales like a sell or a buy tax there's nothing that can be exploited that's consistent and there isn't like a backdoor where like oh yeah everything goes to the burn war- wallet well the burn wallet's just a real wallet who acts has access to that oh I'll, I'll just uh, okay I'll just burn everything in that then uh, I've seen a few I've seen a few devs get caught in that where it's like oh yeah everything goes to a burn wallet I'm like okay but the burn wallet has like 50 ethereum in it so uh huh yeah what's up with that what's up with that oh shit you caught my exit scam uh huh Surtech dropped this now, if you guys remember Mango, we talked about it in a previous episode. Mango was basically taken for a ride for to the tune of about 50 mil USD, if I remember correctly. Is that... It was like 160. Oh, okay. It was 160. 160 million oh. around... I think around thereabouts. A considerable amount yeah. of money either way, either way you slice it. So, a proposal in the Mango Markets DAO, which is the Decentralized Authority Organization. Am I remembering I think, these things I think, correctly? I think you got that correct. Okay. To make a deal with the person who exploited their market previously. I still don't understand why. I'm guessing uh, to save face, maybe get a little liquidity back, but... Uh, it's damage control. But what an easy way to make $47 million. That's right. The exploiter was allowed to keep $47 million as a bounty, but only was forced to return $7 million. Huh. To Mango themselves. Now, this has $7 million oh. already been repaid, so I'm guessing more is coming. But still, it really feels like Mango got a raw deal. Most do. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, a lot of times when I see like a big exploit like this, usually like a more than like a third gets returned. It's usually like 75%. Sometimes it's like, so say if like an exploit for like $50 million, like $48 million gets returned. So they really just... Sorry. You're good. I sneeze like I'm getting hit with a bus. That's okay. I coughed coughed so much the past couple episodes. I'm sitting up till like three in the morning editing this shit down. Like, God damn it. I coughed again. You know, it turns out like most people don't listen to that stuff. They, I, I tried doing that with my own bit of editing and I was told just leave, leave them in people. I can't stand it. It drives me Mm -hmm. fucking bananas. Oh no. Yeah. I I worked, I worked at and so I did a lot of liners, I did a lot of bumpers, I did a lot of spots, I did a lot of production. I did a lot of commercial work, too, and which is why my, my Toyota uh, No Loads Refused ad was so spot on. I should say, that was a pristine Big Bell level. Well, that's, that's what I, I was I going for. That. Yeah. that was extremely well done, and I, I, I wondered, like, where did they get this? Did Jason make this? Yeah, and that I was, was like, me. Oh, I, just, I was bored, and I was like... Okay, this would be really funny. And somebody on some group that I had posted the original tweet to had said, this makes me think I should be hearing this on like a rock station. And that's where I was like, okay, I got to get grab a free riff from some guy who's like, here's free royalty free music for commercials. And then drop that, and then I just I turned it on like I'd never left. Just, yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of those. I was things ready like, to get to that dealership. I was ready to put down payment. I, was, I mean, <laughs> if people were doing no loads, refuse, come dump events at a Toyota dealership or a Honda dealership, sorry, uh, I forgot our sponsor. The program is the Honda CRV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't Toyota the season or, or Toyota Thon mean a lot more? If oh yeah, it was also a no loads, refuse Toyota Thon. The No Loads Refuse Toyothon. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that, that's really going to get their ISIS sponsorship. Yeah, that's right. Lexus is just standing there with a stupid red ribbon on their car while yeah. Toyotathon is just, you know, has to be pixelated Sucking completely. Fucking oh just, my gosh. gosh. Anyway, white uh, people going wild. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Did you miss us? We're back. Uh, so, <laughs> oh man. So yeah, Mango. Oh fuck. What a what a shit show. That's brutal. Well, not, not only did they get fleeced, but I feel like they got fleeced again. So I mean, the thing you gotta also imagine here in crypto, there's very few people that are like doxed or self doxed or willfully doxed. I was gonna say yeah. And so like, there's a lot of times you find out like a project is like just like a bunch of dudes in Ethiopia, which there's nothing wrong with that. But you'll like look at the communique and all that, and they're like. You're like, huh, I would have never guessed that this wasn't, like, a person that, like, was non-European. Because <laughs> some people are really playing the game of, like, smoke and mirrors. Yeah, I mean, I think feel like the whole industry right now is still smoke and mirrors. I mean, we were talking, we were talking just last week. Oh, what was it? The SEC was coming after Kim Kardashian? Kim Kardashian uh, being too stacked. Well, yeah, but also for not disclosing that an ab is an ad. Yeah. So I mean, there's smoke and mirrors. There's levels to the shit. Like it's 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 like money laundering. They're they're doing they're doing layers. They're doing all that stuff. Because you'll watch guys like Coffeezilla, or you'll read some of these Twitter feeds that Brian and I are addicted to, and and you'll just discover just these naked tales of graft. It should, and that, that's why we decided this should be a segment on the show because a it it's, happens it's all so the time. Weird. And I, I still remember. I still remember watching rugs from the BSC days, like in early mid twenty twenty one, and like people finding out that the guy that like rugged was like just some like fifteen year old in like Brighton, UK, <laughs> and you know, and he's got all these foes himself like thugged out, like wearing like you know the finest babes and everything, and it's like that kid's dead. Like there's going there's some dude from Belarus that lost his fucking shirt, but he's got enough money to get his ass over there and fucking garret you, and he will. So, are we ready to take a spooky so, journey? Yeah. So, Danny. Oh yes, Danny. How long have you lived here in St. Louis? Eight nine, nine, eight or nine years. Eight or nine since years. December of 2013. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, Danny, what do you think St. Louis is kind of like culturally known for? Uh, I think you know you, you know you see the arch. I think like a dense you know a dense city. I think people still think of it like a you know Midwest city that's also kind of southern. You might think of the blues. Uh, you might think of. I think people still think of it in kind of a stereotypical Midwest city kind of way, uh, where people are, are are generally nice. You know, quiet. Not much. Not much going on. I think that's fair. That's fairly the urbane version, I yeah. guess, but more more what the city proper. But boy, once you get out into some of the wilder areas, so we got you know we we have uh, a Hoosier culture, not not people from Indiana, but well, they did come from Indiana and take all of our jobs at the Ford plant. Yeah. And yeah, and I should Regardless. say, you know, not that St. Louis had a reputation of being quiet. I come from Milwaukee originally, okay, and you know, it felt like you know kind of a similar town, and I thought like. There's, there's some people, similarities, Midwestern style. Similarities, a, and you know, the further you get out from the city, the further you get into kind of a more rural farmer sure. culture. And that's what I assume most other states are, because uh, why not just assume that the rest of the world is exactly like literally your own personal city or community? That seems like a pretty fair way uh, to go. I can't see any downsides to it. In the Midwest, I wouldn't say you're wrong. I mean, I Ohio, Indiana, Kansas, a lot of them do have, you know, they'll have a major urban center and then they'll have the sprawl going out, which is fairly common yeah uh, and it's very different like dallas fort worth which is just a hellscape there's it's a little reined in when it comes to the midwest at least so danny i remember you telling me when we first started being friends that uh you had taken a little cab ride yeah so i i worked uh you know in an industry where uh you know it was important that like you it was important that I understand, like, 
the city I was moving into. I came here for a job. And so I was given kind of this tour by a local who drove me around North County uh, and drove me through, uh, you know, areas uh, you know, of Florissant, Ferguson, and really gave me a kind of a wonderful tour of kind of the, the racial history of, of white flight. Went to Kinlock. Okay. Uh, went to, uh, you know, you got a sense, you know, of, of what the rest of the city really looked like and what depopulation looked like at that kind of scale. I remember you when you first described that to me, it was almost kind of like you were getting like a little bit of a secret history tour of yeah, St. Louis. Yeah. You were kind of getting this insider, something that you're not going to get at the visitation center below the St. Louis Arch. It's something that was a little gritty, a little something... A little bit more truthful than anything we're going to get from a book that you could get at Barnes and Noble about St. Louis. Typically, you won't find stuff on the Gates of Hell. Yeah, or any number of oddities. So the Gates of Hell, and this is this one's not one I'm so versed in, but I can give you the gist of it to my friend Daniel here and mm-hmm. to the the listeners. <clears throat> the Gates of Hell. As I understand it, and I could be wrong, but this is a fun thing about urban legends. They can have a little bit of wiggle room. They can have interpretation. People, you know, what I heard from a friend in high school can be different than what my mom's best friend in high school told her. Almost guaranteed that it will be. But the gates of hell are a segment of overpasses or underpasses, I should say, in the North County area. One of them is actually... When your head was at 357 or 367 that takes you to Alton. 367. 367 to Alton when... You get out of unincorporated North County proper and you're heading towards Alta on the left side. There's actually one that you can see one of the gates of hells and you're supposed to enter them in a certain order. Hmm. If you enter through them in a certain order, I can't remember how many there are, but there's a there's a rhythm to it or or an order. And uh, that's supposed to open the gates of hell on some sort of uh, some demonic spirit. And this is something that. North County kids have been scaring the shit out of each other, I think, for probably since the 60s or 70s. And what's important to note there is when, when he refers to Alton, of course, that's Alton, Illinois. So we're crossing, a, we're crossing one border, and then you've got this Gates of Hell where you're going to be crossing another one into the demonic world and whatnot. So The demonic world of Alton? <laughs> you know, Man, they got all kind of you know, birds there. T- Listen, uh, Alton, Alton has the They got old, a lot of nice big- girls. <laughs> They've got a... Uh, Oh, can I tell a quick Alton story? All right. Why not? Yeah. Let's hear so it. So I used to know some guys that used to do something. I'm going to make this really brief. They used to do something called a Imosh, Massively Multiplayer Outdoor Scavenger Hunt. Is that anything like a LARPing? Kind of, but being a really big fucking bored shithead. And so they used to do them all in North County. But one year, they apparently did one Alton. And Imosh was all about just like organized chaos. And so there were things like take a shit. And put in the receiver part of a vending machine in like a plastic bag. And another one was steal a chair from McDonald's and shit like that. And uh, one year they decided they were just going, it's the Alton edition of Imosh. Oh boy. And, uh, but it was just like torturing Alton like it was this other place. And that's kind of like how St. Louisans treat Alton. It's like, yeah. it's somewhere else. It might as well be Abu Dhabi. It's where the casino and where the, the, the cheap food is. Cheap, oh, you get that chick on a stick? Ah, so good. I'll make you kill yourself. <laughs> He's uh, referring to... Fast Eddie's, the mm-hmm. traditional 21st birthday spot for all of us scumbags from North County. Yeah. It's either that or Main Street St. Charles. Yeah. It's kind of a 50-50 split. I, yeah, I've been to Fast Eddie's the, just the once. You really only need to go the once. You only, uh, it's twice most. Maybe. You, you only ever go a second time if it's someone else's 21st birthday, mm-hmm. I feel. 
or a third time. They do have Old Bakery <laughs> Brewery, which has some really delicious. I think they're one of the few like organic breweries in the United States. And they have that is true. Really That's fucking good fucking I, food. I hadn't even thought about that. And actually, a friend of mine does uh, have a distillery out there where they make a mighty fine gin. Oh, so. how about that? So Alton, you know, you see the we gates of hell. You. You, you see the gates. <laughs> you see the gates of hell on your left. Listen, listen. Don't drive through the gates of hell. You just got to keep driving north and you get that chick on a stick. Walter, don't be driving <laughs> no, through no, the no, gates no, of hell, Walter. No. Uh, Mike Trout impressions are just going to ruin us. That's going to be the whole show be, next episode. It's just going to be him and I. It's not like a racist voice. Is it racist to people from Philly, though? Is that what? I thought he was from Boston. No, he's, he's from Philly. The character's from Philly. I don't oh, okay. know about, I I don't know about Jonathan okay. Banks. Okay. Anyways, but, yeah. so the gates of hell. So Danny... <laughs> Have you in all of your time researching and learning about all of the different stories and narratives and histories of the metropolitan St. Louis area through uh, your own curiosity and through your profession, have you ever heard of something called the bubbleheads? The word is is familiar, um, but I can't say I know exactly. I, I, I guess I've I've never looked into it myself. I think I have a vague sense that like, you know, if you, you know, in the sense of like people go off looking for Sasquatch or, or Bigfoot, right. there are people who go out looking for the bubbleheads. I mm-hmm. think that's about as much as I know, like of them. I don't know if they're real or if they're on the in a place worse than Alton, Illinois. I don't know if they're <laughs> if such a place. It, it is old Jamestown Road or thereabouts. So you take your pick whether that's worse than the gates of hell in Alton, Illinois. But I mean, you're talking to someone here that grew up off uh, Laramore. So I don't know. I, I grew up off Missouri Bottoms. Trust me, I'm with you. Ooh. So there's a place. There's a place. I, should I do the voice? Do you think I should do the voice? There was a place. There's a place. Carico Road. Carico Road. Where there was a guy who looks like a... Billy Quizboy. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to fuck your shit up if your car dies. The, so the local legend, as far as I recall it, and as far as the research I've done upon it, is that Carico Road in that area was home to a group of inbred hillbillies. That's the kindest way I can put it. The descendants of the original settlers formed as much incest and inbreeding uh, to where they had a congenital defect, which has a name. It's hydrocephaly, water on the brain. Oh, bubblehead. Okay, I I, I see that. So the oversized head from the hydrocephaly is where the bubblehead legend gets its name. Many residents are convinced that there is some truth behind it, even if it's in the sense that, oh, well, you know, it used to be true, right? There there used to be this family that lived down there. But the big thing is that you and your group of hooligan friends would drive your vehicle down Carrico Road. And at the terminus of Carrico Road, there is a, a, a copse of trees, and then there are several houses. And the idea being that you would turn your headlights off, and that the residents of Carrico Road, bubbleheads all of them, would then either attack you, swarm your car, attempt to uh, murder you, or some other harm would come to you were you to go there. Now, part of that probably comes from the fact that the residents of Carrico Road are probably sick and tired of this story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're probably sick and tired of the fucking dumb assholes from North County trying to scare their girl because that's how i always do the bubble heads was like all my friends that got their cars first i mean there was stuff like my mom and family members told me about like when they were kids but how i knew it like growing up 
was it like I have a friend like he was one of the first of us to get a car and his first thing he did was take his girlfriend because this is you know because you're still childish enough that the the thing you do to the girl that gives you a blowjob <laughs> is that you torture them and you harass them like I remember a friend telling me like yeah you know me and such and such uh, say Sarah me and Sarah you know we went out and uh, I took her to Applebee's because that's what you do in the county and uh, then uh, I told her I was going to take her somewhere real special and I, I guess I thought she, I think she thought I was like taking her somewhere so we could like fuck, <laughs> which would have been the smart man's smart bargain. Man. But of course, being shitty teenagers and bored, he's like, yeah, and uh, I took her out there. He had a manual transmission car, so he found. So I guess I forget how it is with the manager. You can make it stall real easy. Correct. Yeah, you can you you can drop the clutch and make it look like you're. Yeah. Oh my god, my car broke. Down. Yeah, and so he did that move, and just like tortured this poor girl for probably ten minutes. And then <laughs> that was the sound of her leaving the car <laughs> and not being and like, I probably knew like two or three guys that like were in solid high school relationships that ended the, it ended over like bubblehead. Goodness gracious. The, yeah. the true horror is the decision of teenage boys. Yeah. Yeah. Is- <laughs> I mean, I was a, uh, you know, I was, I was not popular with uh, the ladies at the time. So this would not have been my move. What's what's really interesting is that in, in about 2013 or so, Jeff Thompson's film director wanted to do a horror movie called Bubbleheads, and so here we have the early early VFX photos. These are were the would be characters the from the upcoming film. Yeah, so these would would be what Rick Baker would then turn into the masks and whatnot. I don't think they would ever actually get to Rick, work with Rick Baker, but that's the only special effects person that came to mind. Tom Savini. I don't know. There's like two or three guys whose name is Poppet. Stan Winston. That's it. So this would be this this would have been the character. It's a hatchet weaving uh, a gentleman with a, an enlarged head, stitched up uh, body, just a grotesque creature. Yeah. And this is fairly close to what what I had in my mind whenever I heard about these deformed mutant creatures uh, that lived in Carrico Road were, were uh, bloodthirsty monsters. What I heard, I believe it was from one of my aunts, was that she told me like the urban tale, mm. but then she also said that like she drove down the street during the day and it was just like nothing. And she said like, yeah, there was like a little boy wearing like a protective like football helmet. Yep. And that was kind of like the de- demystification. You know, once I heard that, I was just kind of like, yeah, this sounds like you're fucking with a family mm-hmm. and uh, some poor kid that has something he has no control over. So that's not so fun. It's not like the gates of hell where you're just kind of like being a bored county kid. Like this is like harassment and not. But again, like I guess when I was 15, it's like you get a rise out of anything. But uh, yeah, that was that was always like one of the things growing up, like bubbleheads, gates of hell. Some of the abandoned Mm-hmm. foundations that you would see back in the woods back there down down low bottoms road do you, do you think of them as monsters or did you think these like these might just be like hillbillies who would beat you up or like was there like a supernatural part of this for you guys? it's like, depending on who told you the story yeah i mean sometimes it was, it was hills have eyes sometimes it was the crazies sometimes it was i mean you you, you name a, a west craven uh, film <laughs> and, and, and chances are that somebody had that in their mind that this is what these people were. Yeah. It, but the, it, the sad truth of it is it was likely just a family whose one of the, the kids had hydrocephaly. They had he had water on the brain. And he had the neighbors started talking. Right. And, mm-hmm. and rumor mills being how they are. It mute. The story itself mutated and 
kind of became something else because that's the most likely explanation that I could come up with. With all the fact-checking I have, there's not a lot of records that I was able to pull up, at least for free, because, you know, I'm not made of money here. But <laughs> I'm doing a podcast, not a charity. <laughs> but but the long and short of it is that, like, yeah, what we know is, yeah, there was a family there about 40 years or so ago. So there's not a lot of facts on the ground that I can just kind of gather and pick up. But what I do know is that, yeah, of course, there's no monsters <laughs> down there. But... It doesn't stop that sort of thing from becoming a thing, and that's that's what's really fascinating to me. And we figured this was Spooky Month. We're going to have a have a spooky story on. And and part of this, you know, it, now it used to live. You know, when I when we were younger, it kind of just lived like word of mouth, like something. Yeah. Something probably someone's burnout older brother told one of my friends, and then like that it virally. Mm-hmm. became part of my friend group and so on and it happened probably the dozens of other friend groups at my high school and other high schools in the area but now we have this archive of the internet and all of the weirdness that that is preserved through it and but now also we kind start of the f- weirdness is sucked out of daily life through it because we can look it up and say no oh, it's just some guy with with the brain disease. That was what I was thinking. Right. Like, could this could this kind of attachment narrative have been created when people could just look it up uh, or if, like, you know, did the lack of internet or, you know, create sure. or allow for... Uh, or the know, lack of education about what hydrocephaly even was. I, that think, is, yeah. I think also to, to give the listeners a little bit of information at home that that part of St. Louis County, depending on who you ask, it's un- unincorporated, mm-hmm. maybe Florissant, it may also be Blackjack, and Blackjack is east of Florissant. And when we're talking about this segment of North County, we're talking about everything north of 270 because North 270 eventually runs east to west into Illinois. And so we're talking about that little crest that butts up against the river, uh, the Missouri River, before it flows into the Mississippi. And certain parts of St. Louis County, I would say most parts of that area of North St. Louis County, in one way or another, is a little bit sleepy. Mm-hmm. And... There are definitely some roads around there that even like I've driven in the snow and found them in the daytime and found them to be a little off-putting. Right. And there are roads at uh, around like Sioux Passage Park that my mom would drive me down as a kid and be like, when you get a car, don't drive too far because I've lost like five friends of drunk driving down this road. And I'm like, oh, that's a great thing to tell your eight-year-old child. Do yeah, know yeah, really, <laughs> really effective. But you, you didn't do it. Drunk driving down Sioux Passage? No, I. Why well, did my drunk driving? I stayed very far away from Sioux Passage. Well, I had a lot of the same type of things where you know because I I lived in in Florissant, but I also uh, my grandparents lived in Ferguson, the the sleepy tree lined part of Ferguson, kind of old Ferguson that you would mm-hmm. think of as the more idyllic. Uh, you know, they bought the house Suburban, in the forties. Yeah. Very, very, the very definition of of that that kind of tree lined suburbia, but there were still areas. Carrollton, you know, there there were still little areas where you just don't go, and so that type of warning combined with the, the kid with hydrocephaly, combined with any other reason not to be down there, you yeah, know, a Carrico Road, because it's dark. There's not a, there's not a lot of streetlights down that yeah, way. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's the unknown and finding a new part of the map or a new part of territory back then was a very interesting proposition, I think, to a lot of young people. 
or not even necessarily an unknown part of the map, but a part of the map where someone has already written "Here be dragons." Here, here be okay. There, uh, Jordan Pearson. I'm just saying <laughs> there, that women are like lobsters. Head's gonna come and beat the shit out of you with a shillelagh because he's also a leprechaun. I could get Jordan Peterson to believe in bubbleheads more than I could get him to believe that the female orgasm is real. So <laughs> they're just lying. <laughs> The dragon I've tried, of chaos. I've tried many times and never seen a female orgasm. Well, you don't see it; you feel it with your soul. But anyway, that's a whole nother. <laughs> I had I had an ex girlfriend that that it was it was a scary proposition for me when it happened. It was really like, uh, oh god, you oh god, crush your <laughs> head like happening. a watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was really like I think if I were being shot in the space. I would be more relaxed. <laughs> it was just like it was just like my whole body was tense. And I'm like, I just not. I just don't have to get my nuts crushed. I just I yeah. don't get my nuts crushed. Don't get my nuts crushed. This is the only thing that like. It's not even think of baseball. It's just like, dear God, can I survive, survive the next thirty yeah. seconds, please, Jesus. Sorry, Danny. I so, know Danny, you, I, uh, <laughs> I told you this would be wholesome. No, no, it's fine. I'm just like thinking of the Apollo Nine guys <laughs> going, just Apollo like 9. you know, you know, we're running out of air, but you know, at least our our nuts aren't being crushed right now. <laughs> yeah, I think John Glenn was into that. I've though, busted so. loads. <laughs> I've busted loads that were less stressful than this. <laughs> I think we all have. The fuck just happened? Anyway, <laughs> I. One of our classic Brian derails of the program. I've lived a life, folks. You know, I, all I can do is share it with you all. So, bubbleheads. We're we're gonna just briefly get back to to that because I do have something really gross to show you, Danny. Not not <laughs> not. No, oh, are we leaving oh, Bubblehead on. Road and going down another deep depraved we, road? We in the world? will in a moment. We're gonna get there. That's that's part of the program. Right, I'm I'm stealing myself. So Reddit. Uh, the the scourge of the internet, but occasionally there is a subreddit or there will be a post where I kind of go, okay, all right, this kind of collaborative thing might not be all so bad. Someone on the R St. Louis subreddit, also garbage place, do not go there. Boy, if you if you want to hear about what neighborhoods used to be good, <laughs> if you want to hear the most thinly veiled racism you could ever possibly, if you want imagine. someone from Wentzville telling you why they won't go see a baseball game anymore. <laughs> The, the the question was posed, does anyone actually know what's at the end of Carrico Road? And so there was there was still, again, on the age of the internet, people with these malformed ideas of, of what was happening out there. Uh, the quote here from the user IG at STL from above. Okay. Uh, a few years back on MapQuest, this person says, the end of the road was marked with a gate that said military entrance key required. Bullshit. Not true. It was a like a metal fence that just said no trespassing, but whatever. Before that, there was a satellite photo that showed a few buildings, but now it's the fake trees fill in they do on Google Maps to cover sensitive areas. I'd love to take oh some drone God. photos and write up a little post about what's actually back there so the story could have some resolution... For those of us that have heard all the tales all our lives, do you know what's actually back there? And the sensible people of our St. Louis, contrary to most of the other posts that they respond to, did say, it's a house, leave them alone. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, 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 hooray for our subreddit and for someone coming in here with that kind of. Boy, but I see one of them bubbleheads at a cards game. <laughs> it's on site. That's that's just your cousin. Anyways, <laughs> I saw aliens kissing the bubbleheads in the kitchen, and they looked at me. <laughs> and they looked at me. They looked at me. They had a baby. And they looked at me, and they said, "Mark McGuire's going to fail a steroid test." <laughs> How did they know? How did they... So. Um, <laughs> A, uh, a friend of the program who goes by the name of Chris, not going to blow up his spot with the last name there, but he did go down there about 2009 and took some photos. It really is literally just a, a road with, yeah. and with, you a, can... with a guardrail and there's a little, uh, a little embankment there. And it's just, it's trees, it's houses. There's, there's, there's nothing. There. There's sleepy ass neighborhoods yep. in all parts of the metropolitan St. Louis area. I've been to neighborhoods like that in Clayton, believe it or not, mm-hmm. in fucking Clayton, yeah. in uh, fucking St. Charles, and their own County. little groves that just kind of pop up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's their own little deal, and it's mm-hmm. like a little. It's like maybe there's a cul-de-sac somewhere. It's like a dozen houses, and it's just really sleepy. What Chris did in this post was also very interesting, though, because he said, "Okay, there's there's nothing down Carrick Road, but hey, look at this." And he would go to Sioux Passage County Park. Uh, it's like Goose Island or something. Pelican no, Island. Pelican, Pelican there we go. Island. A bird. A friend of mine once thought he could swim his way to it. Uh, it did not work out so good. He came back pretty quick. Well, nowadays the water is low enough to where you can actually walk to the island. But yeah, once yeah. upon a time you could not swim from the the beach. Sioux Passage Park, uh, the beach there to Pelican Island. But now you, you probably can just walk it. But also you see in the distance here the Portage to Sioux Power Plant. A brutalist uh, bit of architecture there. I thought that was interesting. He goes in search of some urban legend, but instead he finds something pretty interesting. And I think that's there's a metaphor there. I just can't get the bat off my shoulders. But <laughs> there's lots of little. I mean, you know, for for the listeners at home, North County St. Louis is kind of the whipping boy as far as counties or parts of the county. I would say pre Ferguson, like being North County was like. Oh, you're like, even in the music scene, like as an adult, if people found out I was like from North County, they kind of looked at your, you know, because their daddies are lawyers and pay for their rent on Cherokee Street and all that fun stuff. But I always thought that was really weird because after Ferguson happened, everyone was like, oh, so like you grew up in Hazelwood, right? And I'm like, oh, now you want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, take my pain and my tragedy. Yes, but there's lots of little interesting parts of North County, lots of mm-hmm. history that I think that's on the verge of being forgotten one way or another. And some stuff, unfortunately, I think is actually getting uh, overexposed, like Fort Bellefontaine. Yeah. That used to be a cute little part of St. Louis, an old WPA project from mm-hmm. the 20s and 30s. Has some really beautiful limestone steps that go down to uh, the Missouri River. Mm-hmm. But it's also really close to Colvar Creek. So I don't know. Take yeah, take that. 50-50. There's yeah. also like, it's also kind of, a, have you guys have I taken you down there, Dave? I don't uh, think so. Uh, first of all, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm a Francophile. Is it Bellefontaine or is it Bellefonte? Bellefonte. Oh, no. It's probably uh, Bellefontaine. It's, know, never, so it's never going to be the French version. I have version. a cousin that has a master's in French. Uh, you must she, hate the way we say Gravois. <laughs> she uh, she has some, some opinion. She she tries to ask us, oh, how do you say this French word? I'm like, I'm playing this game with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because she moved back to St. Louis where we don't know anything about our French history and just everything. Uh, I don't know. Chateau. 
Rue des Pois, Beau Pipu, you know, Crecor, Crev, you know. Yeah, well, I caught myself when I said Portage de Sue. I'm like, oh, it's Portage de Sue. But, you know. But the Fort Bellefontaine Park is also like a boy's home. Yeah. So you have to like sign in. So there's already like that. I always like going there because like it's already weird that you're like, mm-hmm. there's like a, there's like a school that looks yeah. like all of like the Hazelwood school district schools. And it still feels from, like you're trespassing them. Yeah. Man. It's, it feels weird. And going there in this time of year, actually maybe we'll go do that Danny sometime soon. Cause this is a good time of year to go down there. But it's weird. Cause one time I went walking there with a friend and we found where St. Louis City trains all of their canines. Hmm. And then there was like a, a giant plaque that showed the names of all of the canines that died. And let me tell you something. Woo. Woo, those dogs only live like four or five years, apparently. It's some rough living. Apparently, it's a hard life being a police dog in St. Louis. But um, but we found this school. It looked like every... It looked like Townsend, like all of the other grade school, Hazel School. But it was like the Ozzie Smith School. Mm-hmm. It was really fucking weird. Like, I don't know. You know what? Maybe that beggars some research. It might. It might. So I want to leave us from the bubbleheads with one last bit of history here. This is an interesting piece. It was actually written as a post in order to sell a home down on Caraco Road from a, a now defunct blog called NoCo STL. Written by uh, Shannon Howard back in 2012. I still think it's prescient because it just has a lot of neat history about this one home in the old Jamestown area and about the area itself. So the the piece begins, for people who love old houses, there's nothing quite as magical as a house that time forgot. And if, if I may uh, editorialize, a lot of places in that area, in the, in the Florissant area, especially old Jamestown, time has definitely forgot them. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's uh, fucking wild out there. Decades may have passed, but virtually nothing has changed, leaving behind... A vivid snapshot of an earlier era. The writer continues, Frank and Melba Newberger bought this 12-acre property at 825 Carica Road in 1947, when Old Jamestown was a rural farming community. Part of that has been rolled into the Bubblehead legend. The Bubbleheads themselves generally are, are, are depicted in overalls and uh, carrying farm implements. The couple also bought an adjacent 11.5 acres, a short distance from the Missouri River, and both eventually spent their entire lives on Carrico Road. It used to be a place where people raised pigs. The definition of rural. The places went back to, I believe, 1904 was when the house was actually built, this 825 Carrico Road that they're, they're profiling here. But what's really interesting is that Shannon gets into this bit at the end. As you know, which is an interesting way to start a sentence about an urban legend, as you know, Carrico Road is the, quote, bubblehead road of urban legend where deformed inbreeds supposedly attack trespassers. And yes, the Newberger house sits in an isolated hollow that could easily spook you at night. But ask the locals about bubbleheads, and they insist it is nothing but a silly myth perpetuated by teenagers. Janet Lukey says with a laugh, I have no idea where that got started. I grew up on Shackleford and have lived in this area my whole life. And I can tell you, we've never heard of bubbleheads when I was in school. There's no truth to it all. Hmm. Absolutely none, emailed another local resident who asked that I not share his name. It's nothing more than some kids trying to scare each other. You know, they found this dark country road back in the woods and 
There's your story. Somebody got creative. But I can tell you, I've been in this area since 1946, and I have never seen any strange or sickly people wandering around or attacking cars or any of that nonsense. It's just a nice place. One of the prettiest areas in North County, I think. There are no bubblehead people here. At least not now. <laughs> the writer continues. <laughs> the writer. Yeah. But wow, writer, what a... What, for so someone you, who's so, been so now amazing. it's moving right because we chased them out with fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gossman does recall the story of a family that used to live at the far end of Caracal before his aunt and uncle moved in. Again, this was the 30s, I believe. It was, was the, the, the person in question. Apparently they had a son who suffered from hydrocephalus or water on the brain and he used to wear a football helmet for protection when playing outside. But did he attack people or roam the woods? Again, this is a blog post essentially to to sell this property. Yeah, I'm still like I'm trying to follow this. <laughs> this, and this is probably and this is oddly enough probably the best bit of journalism on this that oh, likely exists. Yeah. So, did he attack people? Absolutely not. He was just a little boy with an unfortunate condition. And he's long gone now. Wow. So th- there might not have even been an encephalitis case in that house for uh, a century. And pe- mm-hmm. some Reddit guy is still fucking making shit up about, yeah. about a military I mean, sign. The, the, in a- the 30s. Oh, One my boy goodness. in the 30s. So, yeah, I mean, it's just people are, are amazing. It's really it's really baffling to the degree at which, boy, this, this just kept going. Because yeah. like that Reddit post was two years ago. It was 2020. Oh, my God. Now, I get it. You're bored during the pandemic and all, but that bored to yeah. bring this up again? But it did provide some nice fodder for the show, so we're really glad about that. Uh, sure. <laughs> I felt, I felt uh, that talking about this, not just because of the time of year, because we talk about weird things in the internet, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, why don't we talk about some old school weird things in real life? And yeah. I feel like uh, things like the bubble heads, I'm sure there's a couple others we could figure out if we put our heads together but i always thought growing up that was like the urban legend of the area in which i grew up so danny the question really falls to you urban legends from where you're from goodness gracious i'm still like processing this whole story like i feel this is interesting and i also feel worse Mm -hmm. (laughs) like about humanity in general i'm starting to worry that like you know, like the invention of, uh, you know, the city of gold, the 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 pool of youth. That's not what it is. Uh, you know, fountain of pun- youth. the fountain of youth. Where, like, do we just invent like these myths to give ourselves permission to invade the spaces and lives of people who are vulnerable? Um, yes. because it's a thrill. Yes, like not That's, because we're going to get anything. because yeah. it's 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 a fucking ride. Yeah, it's uh, that is a bummer. I mean, El Dorado. I mean, you you name it. The City of Gold. Yeah, El Dorado, the Fountain of Youth, uh, the Holy Grail. I mean, I'm sure there's any number of things where they, somebody just went, "Oh, what's your source on that claim?" Oh, I made it up. Yeah, it's it's like it's a it's a like a demon that escapes like the moment like the myth is created mm-hmm. and there's a question that actually can't be answered. Suddenly, you've given like you know the guy, the schmuck with his drone, you know, who's still like <laughs> the people who love these mysteries, and it's like creating a funnel. Like you yeah. just draw you, people will keep driving down that dark road because they get that feeling uh, that maybe maybe something's out there, and maybe they've really done something transgressive. Maybe they've really they're the ones who are trespassing, and they're going to pierce the veil, or they're going to you know they're they're, they're going to have some sort of transformative experience, yeah. or maybe they're going to I don't know. Th- disprove it even there's because yeah. there's the dual drive there's the one drive where you want it to be real right you want that experience to be otherworldly because 
real life is boring. Yeah. But then you also you want to be the one that's you know I'm I can disprove this right. You're, you you want to be the trailblazer that says no, this isn't a big deal. I just feel like touch grass, bros. Like there's amazing <laughs> mysteries out there, and they're like nature and their experiences, and like people who who spiral in these like these dark hallways thinking they're actually finding something profound or they're going to, or, or they're experiencing some independence by, you know, terrorizing the, bo- the bobbleheads or, you know, thinking they're going to go. I, I don't know. I, I think about those people who insisted the Sandy Hook parent, like kids were, were really not dead or like, there's something bizarrely liberating people find and like engaging hidden truths. Hidden, yeah. And like, that's well, what QAnon. Maybe, maybe the, it's like know. this weird idea that maybe, the world is not as sad as cruel and as random as we thought it was, but also sometimes it's, it's this confirmation that like, yeah, the world is fucked and there's disgusting things. But going there's on. a reason behind the it. The reason behind it is because well, they were hillbillies and they lived by Colbar Creek and they loved fucking their sisters and or whatever. Or there's mole children below Central Park that the the cabal of pedophile elites, folks, folks. The, the you know they've been being them for their adrenochrome and you know it's just this absurdity you know yeah. um i'm just had i've you know in the last couple of years i've had people that make more money than me that enjoy a life of comfort that i will probably never know say the most weird fucked up shit to me about global warming about QAnon about Jewish space lasers. I mean, gosh, I wish about <laughs> COVID. And it's like, how did you get this far and enjoy some version of success like this? And also at the same time, be as dumb as fuck. Um, well, Umberto Eco in the, uh, the, the, the treaties uh, called Ur fascism likes to, uh, if I remember the one about the, the enemy, but being both simultaneously incredibly strong and incredibly weak. Yeah. Yes. I think you can tweak that in the paranormal sense. Ooh. That there's yeah. <clears throat> there's at once at the same time everything's been explained. We have sure. Google Maps, we have explored the furthest reaches, we know everything about the world around us. The world of export the the era of expo- exploration is over. Right. But at the other at the same time there are hidden forces all around us. Yeah, you know, so it's it's almost as though one can't be true and the other can. Mhm. But there are a lot of hidden forces around us. Unfortunately, most of them are fucking capitalism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... I've kind of discussed... I hear, I've heard there's a dark road that if you drive down with, with your girlfriend, a bunch of Wall Street bankers will just come out and start beating on your car <laughs> and just chase you away from their dark, <laughs> leafy foliage. We could talk about, yes, the, the paranoia and the bizarreness. And, you know, yes, capitalism is the mechanism that it makes everything suck shit, most certainly and <laughs> undoubtedly. But also, on the other side, this era of, of information and, and, and saturation, as it were, is that people are also looking back and finding schools of thought and, and people in history that were, for the most part, marginalized for, for outside of academia for, you know, hundreds of years flat earth society oh i'm thinking something a little bit less depressing but i'm thinking about larushites i'm thinking about like gidi bor and okay and you know the some obscure british punk bands and and all of these people that i, you know, I always call like the secret history mm-hmm. of things the adam curtis bit 
sure we could go on that route apparently m curse has a new russia thing that's not that good which is a bummer uh hyper normalization will always have a spot in my heart because it introduced me to the mecon so i'm you know <laughs> yeah. gosh um what are the larushites doing i know they're ba- they, they're they back baby a- they're back baby. <laughs> like they, I, they heard the queen was dead and they, they knew the queen was dead and they knew they could come out of their ferret they're hole playing and, the hits uh, <laughs> i think this is still going to be like the feature of our, our lives going forward though this constant sifting back like finding the good things in the past that were missed like you were saying brian but also like continually finding the nuggets of like addicting uh, noxious rotten human like ideology that oh, yeah. like, can spread its tendrils oh, yeah. over and over again like the return keep... tradi- tradition guy who wants to play metal gear solid yeah. also uh, hates trans people so i mean it's it's God. it's right there but, like, with you, you. Can, there are people who find like legitimacy by anything existing in the past that confirms you know what they say so someone who wants a, a centuries old anti-trans uh, viewpoint or any Blood kind libel. of intolerance it's still around baby still around. <laughs> you could find the ooh like the really well the, the like the barrel oak aged like original <laughs> sauce there and it's i think it's good cuz like but like the good things we lost or that weren't well examined are also going to be our new ammunition and our new inspiration in ways that like we're gonna need like as we our culture keeps eating itself yeah. i uh i look forward to the, the posadas and the larushites <laughs> uh fighting uh in front of the uh on the mall in dc yeah david ike leading the one david, you know, I, yeah. it's just it's just it's just people with uh blackjacks yep and uh shovel handles just beating the shot <laughs> of each other yeah it's it's bound to be a good time now one of the things this leads perfectly into our shock.jpg of the week. Oh, Danny. Uh, Danny, I, I hate to be the one to do this to you. Lay it on me. You're a sweet boy, Danny, but you know what? You got to grow up. You, you got well, to know what makes a man a man. And what makes a man a man is uh, seeing disgusting shit on the internet. So Apparently. Hey, lose a little bit of innocence today, Danny. Join us. Danny, get, get a front seat. So this here is is just a, a, a wiki page. Our good friends at the Screamer Wiki. Screamer Wiki has been a very, very useful resource for us the past couple weeks. We have been exploring the history of shock sites. I'm sure you've listened to the program, so you kind of know mm-hmm. what we've referred to in the past. This one is somewhat tangentially related to the topic of the week. So, so this one is BigfootProof.com. Now, Bigfoot, of course, the the urban legend passed down through blurry photographs that there is uh, the missing link out there, and he goes by the name of Bigfoot, and he's notoriously shy. Or as Mitch Hedberg says, uh, you know, what if he's just blurry, and that's just <laughs> what if he just looks like he's that? Very ba- he's a very what bashful. If his head just did that. Yeah. <laughs> so, once upon a time, the group behind the website Meatspin. Decided, which we have covered in a previous episode. Yeah, believe it or not. Decided to create their own network of shock sites, and it was called the Meat Spin Network. And one of the sites on the Meat Spin Network was called BigfootProof.com. Oh my god, I'm <laughs> I, I'm not even sure what this is. I found Bigfoot.com was the actual URL. Oh, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> 
So it's more glorious than I ever could have imagined. I, was this his, your first time seeing this? It's my first time seeing. This is worse than the the MythBusters guy photo. <laughs> it's not. I have to say, it's Bigfoot. It could healthy. be blurrier. Yeah. I wish Bigfoot were blurrier <laughs> in this exact instance. You know, I have a friend in high school that was here sued like that. Yeah. I wonder if he was working with a similar situation. So uh, those of you in the audience who are not brave enough to go to ifoundbigfoot.com, I'm gonna go ahead and briefly describe it for you. I, 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 I'm just, I'm sorry. I just love this. I found Bigfoot.com. And of and course, it's, it's a guy, is a very hairy man who has surprisingly unhairy hands um, doing a goat see. And he's got one finger making sure, because I guess he doesn't have a mirror system going like a more right. sophisticated anal stretcher would. But he uh, he's getting in there. like He's like one of those things like he's checking to make sure like everything's where it's supposed it's to be. It's a depth check almost. He's got the, yeah. you know. Uh, so, I'm sorry, Danny. So, it, it, yes, it is a very hairy man uh, bent over in front of the camera. Um, I'm really sad we can't see In front see the- of what appears to be a woodworking project, this does appear to be a, 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 a piece of, of, of carpentry that he was either working on or, or whatever. Uh, he just had to stretch out. He just, you know what? He was getting it's a time. cramp. Well, that was where he set up the, the camera, because this does look like an older flash photography piece. So, yes, uh, he is uh, uh, stretching his asshole with... Uh, Two he's, of ten fingers, I would say, because I mean, he's the, kind of well, doing the goatee, but he's not reaching in there. He's not, yeah, he's not getting the Kirk Johnson full full effect. But and again, no ring, so it's not him. So it's not the guy from the original goatee. Obviously, uh, goatee was never this hairy. God, you know, this guy is about as hairy as David Drainman. Yeah, you know, I you know what, I don't even understand that reference, but yeah, so I'm gonna That's go ahead the, and say uh, it uh, the singer from Disturbed. Oh, see, I was thinking of Depeche Mode for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I once met him, and why, he wasn't why this a sh- man's asshole made me think of Depeche Mode. You will never understand. But anyway, <laughs> this is very complicated. And it was the first time Jason ever did poppers. Uh, well, looking down the barrel of a gun really does have a whole other meaning when you're thinking of this. Anyway, Whoa. what's really interesting is that uh, th- this is the first thing you see at ifoundbigfoot.com. But of course, at the top, if you are under the age of eighteen or find this site offensive. Please leave now. <laughs> that is perhaps one of my favorite shock site things. It's like, if you don't like this, you, you should. And like, here's a, cl- and it's like a link to like Google or like, <laughs> yes. you know. Or Yahoo at the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. So th- there is, uh, there are several links below, of course. One uh, says more exclamation point, uh, which would then take you to the Meat Spin Network, uh-huh. which was a network of sites intended to shock you. Uh, there was, a, there was a blog, uh, which was the Meat Spin blog. So it, it was very much related. It was again once once the, the the meat spin network, they would put up new shock sites and tell you about what was happening out there. Uh, post links to Star Wars porn. It was a, a very a simpler time. Yes, very very much simpler times. So, so yeah, other other shock sites were linked. You know, meat spin, Goatsy, the the OG that everyone thinks of when they think of a shock site. But yeah, I found Bigfoot dot com. What yes. a it's they Beautiful. really they figured out like what you know they really figured out what people wanted to, to search for on the internet like yeah. really 
the back door into the human mind is the discovery of choice of words is so perfect but by, really by the way is. the back but door <laughs> like if, you, if if the first time you use the internet or you really figured out you could just type in anything to find out any piece of information like wouldn't like if you someone handed you the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy wouldn't the first sure. thing you f- like figure out is like you know is bigfoot real you know who really shot jfk like sure. you go through all of your your most burning questions and you would never want to see you know uh that in it right that yeah, would be i don't think that would be the first third or 99th thing you would expect when you're looking for the truth about that Bigfoot, would not so. make me a fruity uh would <laughs> fruit please fruit yeah no that's a very un unhoopy fruit thing to do yeah it's it's fun doing this bit with you jason because i feel like i've seen a lot of the worst things on the internet but you remind me that there's just a whole entire segment that i've just never seen there's worlds within worlds man there's some stuff until a couple days ago, doing research for the show, I had not seen that. So some of these things are relatively new to me as well. You're right. There's so much out there that hasn't really been cataloged, hasn't really been explained. The guys at Screamer Wiki, I will give them a lot of props. They do have a lot of research going into this. There's still stuff, though, that I think we probably know about that's not on here that we could probably contribute to. But There's probably like some guy that has a hard drive of like old FIAD stuff or old 4chan stuff and it's like opening the Ark of the Covenant of gross pictures. Yes. Because we haven't even like, I mean, oh, I don't even want to spoil what we could talk about. We'll have to talk about this yeah, off the mic. Yeah. But there's there's some chestnuts out there and I felt, I felt, you know what, for every hour of my teenage years and adulthood of waste on the air, it's good to know that there's still weird gross shit that I didn't even see back then. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's truly. I mean, there there are depths there that are just unexplored still. So, Danny, how was your first time in the shock.jpg chair there? Oh, it has been a while since I had uh, a website shock. I've had it. I've had it done to me. I've had friends send me things. I've had. I've inadvertently, you know, clicked on a. a you know, <laughs> someone uh, did a shock uh, gif. It has been a really long time since it's been this graphic. I think oh. people are less inclined to go fully to embrace that kind of imagery <laughs> so, so Dan, i've got to ask since you're the newest one here you're our guest fresh meat fresh meat what was the first time or the worst time you ever got shock imaged i think it was is when i was downloading things on limewire and oh, I, I didn't oh, oh. I, I didn't Ooh, you know oh, and that was when i was exposed you know i didn't know what faces of death meant oh baby uh, and so oh, it, you know, a lot of that stuff was really things I definitely didn't want to find when I was really young. I think I, I think the the real shock videos were the ones that that would get you with the volume two, oh, where yeah. you would be you know it would be something very soft or it would be like the beginning of what you thought was a funny bit, and you know it would just blast out of your speakers. It would have a scary skull. Yep. Uh, that one really like, got you know, that one still just freaked me out. You know? Well, they're called screamers. Oh, <laughs> hence screamer wiki. Um, so that's that's uh, yeah that's a whole subgenre in, in and of itself is you know oh it's a somebody's playing a puzzle game and then there's a demon shows up and screams at you yeah yeah uh, those I hate those I think oh my god bio black sheep was yeah, one of those places that had a lot of things like that after we show our guests uh, an offensive image or show each other an offensive image we like to do the end of the program, which is part of something that we'd like to call the breath mint. This was Brian's idea. I love it. It's a way to kind of wind down from some of the more distressing parts of what we were just talking about. So part of it is that we talk about our 
pop culture and media consumption. Yes, indeed. Because we are living in the post end of history where everything is just a uh, a slow slog towards entropy. It's entropy, but anyway, entropy. I'll... Hey, listen, <laughs> if I was a book kid, not a talking kid, I'll fuck you up, Jason. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> listen, I took judo with the kids. I got an orange belt that says I can uh, ogashi you into this wall. Yeah, well, I'm wearing this special jacket that only fighters can wear, so... <laughs> which is a reference to the Dan Quinn episode, which is never coming out because I've fucked something up and it's, it's never good. but still just the idea of a jacket that only tough guys can wear <laughs> yeah. on dana white's private island you go to the same place where you have to register your fists as legal as lethal that's weapons the, yeah they also that's... give you the jacket yep. and uh, the license to kill yep. <laughs> and the and the 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 ferrari 911 yes with rust damage perfect this guy have rust damage because otherwise how can you tell if it's real <laughs> This is the part of the show where we talk about stuff that has grabbed our attention in TV, film, video games, what have you. Books, occasionally comics as well. It is the, uh, you know, when this episode comes out, it will be the end of October. It will be the spooky month time of the year. So we have been talking about some some spookies, some, 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 some ookies, some scaries, and some goopies. And I wanted to kick off this week. It's not necessarily going to make you less grossed out. But it is an enjoyable piece of pop culture literature. I'm talking, of course, about manga artist Junji Ito's classic manga, Uzumaki, which got a really nice hardback edition that uh, just recently came out because they are doing an Uzumaki anime. Junji Ito, if you've never read his work, is a master of manga horror. He draws you in with these idyllic Japanese countrysides, uh, a lot of gorgeous heavily detailed art and his stories usually have a really slow build and then eventually everything spirals into absolute lovecraftian chaos he enjoys distorting the human figure he enjoys gross shit with eyeballs and just uzumaki in particular is about a town that becomes obsessed with spirals and it starts innocently enough. You know, a guy comes home and his dad says, look at all these spirals I've been collecting. Mm. But this obsession soon becomes something more sinister. But then it snowballs through a series of tragedies. And, and eventually, even moving super fast in the town will generate a whirlwind, which is itself a spiral. And it, people are turning into slugs. And it, it, there's an entire city underneath the city that is made of spiral shapes. And so everything becomes one with the spiral and the Ooh. spiral arm of the galaxy is calling to you. And the, so it really leans into this idea that this one obsession can spiral outward it, it, for lack of a better <laughs> word. Uh, so I highly recommend reading that. The English translation that just dropped is fantastic. The art is really spot on. Usually when you get scans or when you get people doing these manga books, the art can kind of get washed out. But whatever they did to, to really preserve Ito's lines is just... It's the care that was taken to make this paper, this hardcover, really exceptional. I will have to check that out. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm not super familiar with his work, but what I've seen I've always found to be really interesting I think the certain era of 
terminally online young women have really propagated that image of the young woman with the spiral in her yes. head. Yes. So uh, that's kind of gotten a little, okay, I've seen that enough. But That like, happens early, early on in the book, too. So, so okay. that's maybe the second or third story because it's divided into chapters. Sure. Uh, much like a good that's, novel I think be. that's probably like the most famous panel from yeah. uh, actually, at least the Westerners. I actually have a shirt that was made by a cartoonist. His name is Rory Blank. And it is a mashup of that image and then Porky Pig from Looney Tunes popping out of her head going, that's all, folks. <laughs> Amazing. So, Danny, as our guest, you will get the coveted second spot to tell us something that's been hitting your back walls lately. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, uh, of your brain. Culturally, of, culturally, no. culturally, culturally speaking. speaking. Culturally speaking. Gosh. You know, I guess I've been playing uh, Deathloop. Oh, fantastic. Uh, which has been an inter- interesting experience. I'm glad you uh, started playing Deathloop. Uh, I've been enjoying it a lot. Uh, I'm really enjoying just the, the disorientation of, of being in the shoes of a character who has no memory. Um, I really like... Uh, and also get, like... This character is both like learning about himself, but we're learning about him too. And he's just a kind of a dick. Like, and they, I think they really nail a sense of, of and I think what what horror movies uh, so often do in a way that is unique is they allow the protagonist to be unlikable, or yeah. they they introduce us to characters who we both are very concerned about, but also you know, immediately have strong judgments about about their character, about their flaws, or and, repelled by even yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah great great horror often shows us the way that these flaws uh, propel people uh, you know into these situations um, even though we also know of course that they don't deserve to go through this terror you know being torn up by Jason or uh, going down into this spiral psychosis uh, beneath yeah. their city and so I'm I'm really liking. The game is, is, I think, doing some nice things with kind of keeping the- a theme of repetition of loops without it being that corny. I think they're they're finding different ways to explore stories about loops and stories about people trapped in their own flaws. Um, and I'm, I'm really digging it. Yeah, I really enjoyed Deathloop. I didn't get every little bit of content out of it, um, which I'm a little bummed about. But I kind of was getting to a point where I didn't want to spend any more time with it. But that kind of came about where I realized I knew how to do the perfect loop. And I found that to be really satisfying. And I think the aesthetic and the care that they put into this world and into the characters, I think is above and beyond what most other teams or developers would have done. And it, there's just a depth and a richness to it. That's really interesting. I felt, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but it, the ending's not so great, Danny. Yeah. But, the, but the journey there is absolutely fantastic. Some of the characters, I mean, I really <clears throat> fell in love with Wenji. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting through. Wenji, if, for those of you who haven't played the game, Wenji is a character who has managed to manipulate the time loop so that she has duplicates of herself that surround her and do the menial tasks and, and kind of are herself on autopilot almost doing science uh, yeah. on, on this island which is a, a mysterious place mm-hmm. and so the more you kind of do these loops and kind of get used to wenji's personality and you're doing you know you're, you're doing the standard audio log not audio logs in this in this one it's emails and whatnot and you're 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 kind of discovering everything you can about about these characters in order to find their weaknesses and to kind of get to know them enough so that you can kill them but as you get to know Wenji, Wenji's one of my favorites just because she's not necessarily out of place. 
And a lot of these other characters that, that, that you're supposed to like take out, I don't know. They, they, they feel like maybe they're there as an opportunist or they're there as like a, a hedonist. Selfishly. Yeah. Wenji though, it feels like she has a, a purpose beyond just enjoying the fact that the loop is happening. Because I think there's also this, like, she's seeking to understand it, and mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of interesting stuff kind of happening in the background. You really got to look for it, but when you start digging into it, it's like, okay, this is a character I kind of feel bad about killing now. Yeah, it's re- it's it, it's got a tux in me. This guy, like, you know, it, it's you know really immersed me in it, and I'm enjoying. You know, the gameplay is really fun, but also, you know, they they really got some good actors. They really put oh, yeah. some some work into the writing yeah. on this and ma- making you want to listen to things and. Um, it can really lift a game out of you know any out of almost any shortcomings I find is, is having some really good care and writing to it. There's a lot of little parts to it. Like I remember having fucked up doing some stealth, and I always <laughs> played with the one slab that lets you stay invisible if you don't move. Right. And so I just kind of like ran from some eternalists and like hid, and I'm like by the frozen mammoth, and there's two eternalists talking about like you know, ancient steakhouse or some shit <laughs> about um, freezing the mammoth and eating it. But, you know, there's like all these little things. There's like some original music that was written for it. And a couple of one song's pretty bad. Two of the songs are actually surprisingly competent and interesting. And really, I think lend a lot to the, the, the feel and vibe of the game. But one of the things that kind of struck with me, and you'll probably discover this as you get further into it, Danny, that some of these characters do have, some interpersonal tragedy, particularly Charlie fucking Maginot yeah. and his on-again, off-again paramour. And you then realize as you're, you're playing this through that for however many years this experiment has going on that they've been in this loop, they have been reliving this same day over and over again. And just the idea of reliving a kind of a shit day yeah. and not knowing it. Yeah. Just, just this is what you are going to do for the rest of history, to the rest of existence. Is you're gonna have a crappy ass day, and yeah. not, not ever escape it. Like you're, right. I mean, from a Buddhist perspective, that would be like never escaping the rounds of life and death. And you can actually kind of cast Cole as, uh, as trying to. Is he Matreya? Is he Dan Quinn? <laughs> <laughs> you, you could, you could cast Cole as a guy who's trying to break Samsara by force. I like that idea. Yeah, Brian. You know what? I have not been really big on the media consumption lately. It's been kind of quite weak for me. I have gone back to Resident Evil Four mm-hmm. and fucking dragging myself through the separate ways expansion mm. that was ps2 only i believe yeah, yeah and uh boy i am i'm liking some parts of it i am it, it feels like a mod created by a 18 year old jacked up on an energy drink that is no longer legal in america <laughs> it's a little crappy but i am dragging myself through it because it's like well I have this opportunity to see what this the hubbub is, and some of it's fun fan service, some of it is not. I am still really liking the talk about different media. Still, I'm really liking House of the Dragon. Mm-hmm. I feel like the last two episodes have been fantastic. Now, uh, now I, I don't know a lot about House of the Dragon. I have been keeping up with it, but I do understand that there was a little special treat for those of us who were in defeat in the last episode. Oh, if you're, uh, if you're into them sway little piggies. <laughs> Danny doesn't know because he's two episodes behind. Uh-oh. 
But uh, there's a there's a little something for us, uh, a little Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> is that is that kind of help, uh, kind of a response to the criticisms of the end of the real show, where it was too dark to see the little toes and the little, you know, though <laughs> you everyone see, was you mad see about any of the feet. Couldn't the see any of the feet. Weirfeld, you couldn't see any of the feet. You couldn't yeah. see any of the characters' feet. Like they set <laughs> up all these, they set up all these great plot points where you're gonna see the feet, and right. like then Listen, they just don't I saw deliver. Eric Don Dare you die, but I didn't see what his toes looked like. And uh, HBO in this twelve-point treaty, <laughs> yeah, just a fucking crime. In this five hundred, in this five thousand word word thesis, I shall describe all of the crimes the HBO committed against those of us who find feet to be both elegant and ironic. You did see and, and it. plot necessary. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> see Jorah Mormont in a full, you know, like. Sure. <laughs> Well, Sandra said, uh, "Where are those dragon toes at?" She told Arya, "Told, no, told I, I Arya that she would close many eyes, but how many toes would she suck on?" There you go. Uh, you know, we we have so many unanswered questions in this uh, in this mythology here. But I've so foul. Yeah, there so is, foul. There is there is a there is a scene in the in the in episode nine of House of the Dragon where I was just kind of like I saw it the first moments of it, and I'm like. Nah, <laughs> like I was like, we we really doing this? Oh, apparently we are. We really yeah. are doing this. I was just kind of like, well, that's that's this is prestige television, uh, you know? Because honestly, getting off to feet, that's a gentleman's perversion. <laughs> that's not. It, th- yeah, it doesn't have the same uh, negative cachet as some other perversions. Speaking of feet, now this is a this is a segue from something we've talked about in a previous episode. We 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 kind of know uh, via a brief moment on Instagram that Bob Odenkirk, star of uh, Better Call Saul, does have a proclivity for hot heels in beautiful shoes. That was the account that he briefly followed before being kink shamed and unfollowing. But it does bring Better Call Saul into a whole new light. I have been rewatching that series, and boy, there are a lot of shots. Of both Bob's feet and Rhea Seahorn, uh, who plays Kim Wexler's feet, uh, it was very surprising to me having that knowledge now. Did the Nickelodeon guy work on that? <laughs> yeah, Dan. What was his name? Dan. Uh, I can't remember. Dan Snyder, maybe. I, don't know. I think it is Dan Snyder. So going back through Better Call Saul with that knowledge and seeing, like, boy, you know, there are a lot of scenes where Kim takes her shoes off. There's a lot of scenes. There are. Now you and the show opens that. in a nail salon where people are getting their feet done. Like, there, it's 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 there. It's subtle. That's what makes it good. Jesse, don't you want to be around all these lovely feet? Walter, Walter, my bunions, they make it hard for me to get my shoes off. Oh, Walter, you ever got a foot job from a girl with the grippy socks? Anyways. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, the, 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 the meowing Gibson, that you might hear is, 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 is my cat. cat. He's not dying, I know, please. But, but it sounds like it's... He is 15 years old, but he's, it, not, he's not there yet. He's, he, he is fit as a fiddle, but it is not, mm. it's not a strong meow. A strong man's... His strong meow is when he actually sees you. Right. But this is the sad, like, why am I not in here meow? This is the season... Mm-hmm. I have been thinking about spooky movies. Oh, yeah. And I actually went on a date with someone last week, and Ooh. they were telling me about how much they were a big horror fan, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, have you ever seen The Sadness? Oh. And they were like, oh, no. I'm like, well, you should totally come over to my place after this and watch it. And I think she thought I was just trying to get, like, laid 
Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I really want you to see this fucked up Taiwanese film. <laughs> like, I think at one point in time, we're like, no, I really just want you to see this really, really fucking intense movie. Like, I don't like, no, don't touch me. Get your hand out of there. We're watching this really fucked up movie. Mm -hmm. You can watch the sadness and then you can leave. Uh, so, <laughs> There's so. cab money on the table. <laughs> I have not seen this. I'm, I'm very intrigued because I do love uh, body horror. I do love the idea of bloodthirsty sadists, as we've mentioned, uh, I oh, guess, in my talking about other horror movies. But yeah. And, and like the director is like from Bumfuck, Ohio. It's so weird. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's a Taiwanese movie. But the director is like just some dude that like once bought like a fucking bottle of Mad Dog in Canton. Canadian filmmaker oh, Rob Jabaz. <laughs> okay, he's Canadian. I just know I listened to a podcast where like someone that went to high school with him was a guest, and they were like, "Yeah, like this, you know, like we're we're from like fucking middle of nowhere," and he, he directed this movie that's fucking crazy. Wow. Okay. That's I mean, can't I mean to be fair, middle of nowhere Ohio and Canada are kind of like the same thing. Yeah, you could you could be forgiven for for making that yeah. that, that distinction. Okay, so we have Danny. Do you do you have any horror films that, that you feel might need to revisit, or you might venture into the spooky season? You know, horror movies were a subject that I, I didn't really get a lot into. I think until meeting you, you Brian, and, and you know, our, our friend group. Uh, you guys have introduced me to I think a lot of the horror movies that I never would have like had the courage to watch myself. I am thinking though that like some of the classic Hitchcock films have been just mm. surprisingly. Like the tension that is kind of drawn yeah. out from, especially a, a movie like uh, called Rope, oh, uh, which is yes. the one that I'm thinking of, which is just it's it's so straightforward and it's almost you know where arsenic and old lace kind of takes the premise of a, a body somewhere in the house that people don't want others to find out, and an arsenic and old lace makes it hilarious because Cary Grant is a genius, but Rope just it just tightens this you know it it works like a play, but my goodness does are you just completely on the edge of your seat every time. Um, you know, anyone is near where you know you. It, it's a really a, a movie about the tension of what you know as the audience versus what the characters uh, in the movie do, and it's it's so wild, and it, it's a really interesting movie going experience that I, I would recommend. Okay, so so the rope rope. Okay. It's just called rope. It's it's. I'm sorry, I keep saying the rope, but you're right. It's it's just rope because that was yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it, you really can't discount Hitchcock for for darn near anything. I mean, Thirty Nine Steps I still think of as probably one of the one of the better spy films. It takes a whole genre to another level. But as far as horror movies, like I mentioned, Uzumaki. But I was also thinking of another a foreign language film, Audition. Um, I don't know if Ooh. you guys have seen Audition. Audition Classic. is Takashi Miike, uh, one of the greatest horror directors as far as being Lynchian and surreal, but also scaring the living shit out of you at the same time. A lonely guy teams up with his friend who is a filmmaker to have a series of auditions for a movie that doesn't exist in order to find himself a girlfriend through a series of deceptions. He becomes enamored with this woman, but of course the woman is not what she seems. There's something darker and sinister there. And it all kind of comes to a head uh, towards the end. But it just mm. go in as blind as you can, knowing just the first because that's maybe the first 15 minutes is what I just described to you. Go in knowing as little as you can. It's shocking. It's unnerving in a way that Takashi Miike is probably the one 
if you're looking at films that'll really unsettle you, he's the one. Ichi the Killer, the series that he, the live action series that he did, MPD, which is the multiple personality detective, yeah. which I feel like some parts of Disco Elysium borrowed from. As far as at least just the vibes and the and, and the, oh, the whole bit, yeah. oh, I've played Disco Elysium. I have a million hours for a cerebral experience. <gasps> yeah. I'm gonna get to it someday. I'm I'm really someday. That's gonna be my the post-apocalyptic. Finally, I have time. <laughs> uh, time enough Disco at last. Elysium and Persona, and Persona Five. And <laughs> speaking of wasting your time, yeah, that's right. Speaking of wasting your time, why don't you give us a call? 314-AHOY-POO. That's right. 314-246-9766. 314-246-9766. That's my old radio training, uh, Danny, if you haven't noticed. Ooh. <clears throat> Sounds good. Get set to, to get, get wet. wet. That's right. Old Bob Hamilton. I finally remember the guy's fucking <laughs> name. Hamilton. Weeks later. God, this is a guy that smells like an old basement name. <laughs> he really did. And you can also email us for eight minutes of dogs barking at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at video crime and if you want to harass me send me your death threats or recruit me into a cult you can uh <laughs> find me on instagram and twitter at i shot that's i-s-h-o-t-g-u-i-d-b-o-r-d um and if you want to take a look at my photography because why wouldn't you uh, my portfolio is assholemusicphotographer.com. Including some fantastic photos, by the way, of Melt Banana. Melt Banana, I got them motherfuckers up. And then my Woo. new favorite local band, The Mall. The Mall. We played uh, them last episode. Yeah, it was Yeah, great. that was such a good show. Apparently, I don't know if you heard about this, Dane. Did you hear about this? Did you read about, about this? Apparently, that was not only a great show, but a COVID super spreader <laughs> event. I was going to ask. I, I saw a couple people uh, after that. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, uh, RFT Music editor Daniel Hill. I think that's his second ride on the merry yeah, on the yeah. COVID merry-go-round. <laughs> and the I, band, uh, the band, the mall said they got it. And uh, oh, oh wow, I didn't see that. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that sucks. I hope the folks in Melt Banana uh, didn't get it because that would be. I've very been following their. I've been following their Twitter, and I haven't seen anything about having to stop any shows. So hopefully, you know, hopefully they're they're, sure. they're okay. But like, it, it was it was a little uncomfortable. Even though I assumed I had still some immunity from having just had COVID a month before, knowing that like a person that was dancing and getting all sweaty <laughs> at the front of the stage and up in my business, which is, which is perfectly fine and within their rights, being like that person tested positive for COVID a couple of days later, like uh, that sucks. That sucks in a lot of different ways. It sucks for that person. It sucks for me. It sucks for everyone at that show. I hope everyone who got COVID uh, doesn't do it again yeah uh, like it seems but one time was bad enough for me i can't imagine some people that i know they're like on their third and yeah. fourth round I'm like mm -hmm. you go, you must have a hell of a trust fund i think it's actually kind of bullshit the bands are touring and not asking for proof of vaccination yeah. and uh wearing masks andrew jackson jihad was proof of vaccination and uh wearing masks and that was such a fun fucking show but I, I i hate to say it in retrospect i was at that boris show and realizing like jim utz and like five other people were like the only people i saw masks i'm like yeah i bet if i get this stupid fucking thing it's gonna be here yep. and i just thought like you know what maybe i'm maybe i'm lucky and uh i i kept i thought it was just allergies and then yeah you know the, the lady at the urgent care was like oh it was really smart of you to get your uh 
to get your shot and your flu shot, your COVID shot, your COVID booster and your flu shot while having COVID. Well, most likely having COVID. I'm like, yeah, was it smart? She's like, no, it's stupid. <laughs> like you're, you're, you're it's like the next week of your life is really going to suck. You're going to be in a lot of pain. And she was right because I had sciatica going down oh. my right leg so bad that oh, I could, I'm doing could, the hand gesture. You can't even see. Yeah, that I couldn't even like sit in a chair, Eesh. like to like eat breakfast yeah. or like. I had to find very specific ways. So don't get fucking COVID, yeah, people, don't do is what it. I'm saying. Don't be a dumb schmuck <laughs> like me. But anyways, Danny, socials. God, we love to talk. We love we the do. sound of our own voice. We love, the, we love the, the feeling of importance, the captive audience that we have on this podcast. With and you're stuck here. Listeners. Just listen to us. Yes, Danny. So, Danny, where can we find you? Uh, you'll have to take a dark road. Uh, no, uh, you can find my work. Uh, you can see my work in the Riverfront Times, St. Louis Public Radio. Uh, I'm a man about town uh, uh, working as a reporter in, in St. Louis. And so uh, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll find some, some good stuff that people will have find a, a good reason to read, whether or not they've heard uh, this, uh, this episode of The Sound of My Voice. Well, you are an award-winning journalist, Danny. I hope, I hope, I hope, the, I hope the rest of your career isn't isn't uh that's i hope this isn't the high point is what he's saying (laughs) (laughs) award-winning journalist that we brought here to look at a man putting a finger in his own ass i've seen i've seen worse but that was that was up there that's that's (laughs) amongst the worst things i've seen but i've heard stories i've seen lasers glinting off blueberry hills i've seen joe edwards (laughs) drifting around in the gases of titan I've seen the Delmar Loop trolley being used on fire. I've seen Fitz's root beer glistening in rain. <laughs> All like trolley tickets. Oh. <laughs> so, we do uh, have one last bit of business to take care of. Of course, that's the, uh, the song we play at the end of the show. And this week, I thought, of course, being spooky season as it is, the Groovy Ghoulies would be the band Ooh. to take us out. The Groovy Ghoulies, of course, a band on Lookout Records. Famous for their many various covers, but uh, to me, they'll always be the band that wrote some really spooky, ooky songs. And they did a great record called Born in the Basement. Ooh. And the song we're going to play for you is called Pumpkinhead, because it has to do with the main theme of the sea. I did a thing! Yes. I made a thing! You full, yes, full on theme. One gold star for you. Yep, just the one. So this is uh, Pumpkinhead by Groovy Ghoulies, and we will see you later, as we always say at this time. Namaste, motherfucker. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.